J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon spooks the markets. We cover the latest commentary out of the Federal Reserve as well as the biggest analyst calls of the day. Job openings decline sharply. GM slashes prices of the Chevy Bolt and Salesforce rises on earnings. This is the Running With The Money briefing. Let's get into it. It's not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every time. Money never sleeps, pal. Just made 800000 Hong Kong gold. There are three ways to make a living in this business. First, be smarter or cheaper. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pounding The Table. Either way, I'm your host, Luke Donay, and my, oh my, what a day in the markets with the Dow Jones moving to the downside by 176 points, Russell down roughly 0.6%, NASDAQ down 93 points, and the S&P 500 down 30 points. Meanwhile, you look sector by sector, and there's only one sector in the green throughout today's session. That sector being XLE, the energy sector, baby. Now, shifting into currencies, what in the world is Bitcoin doing? Well, it has actually pretty darn steeply fallen off to the sell side. In fact, you take a look, it's currently sitting around 29792 bucks, and it was at one point this morning hovering right around 31000 so a significant decline in Bitcoin as well as well as some other big-time cryptocurrencies. Now, shifting away from where things currently stand, let's get into the biggest headlines of the day and what spooked the market this morning off those highs of day. And, well, the key factor in spooking the markets today was indeed Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, one of the largest banks in the world. Now, why in the world did Jamie Dimon's comments spook the market? Well, it was what he had to say about the future of the U.S. economy. He noted that, in essence, an economic hurricane could be on the horizon and even warned investors. In fact, in reference to the economy, he said, you know, I said there's storm clouds, but I'm going to change it. It's a hurricane. He goes on to say that conditions seem fine, currently at the moment but nobody knows if the upcoming hurricane he's calling it is going to be quote a minor one or superstorm sandy he went on to say you better brace yourself and then continued on and said jp morgan is bracing ourselves and we're going to be very conservative with our balance sheet so in essence what he's saying here is something major is coming to the U.S. economy. J.P. Morgan is bracing themselves for it, and they are getting very conservative with their balance sheet. Now, he continued on this, in essence, I would say warning tone, warning investors of what's to come. And he talked about the most recent bounce we have seen off lows in the markets and in return to that, he said, right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. Everyone thinks the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there, down the road, coming our way. Wowza. So, in essence, he's saying there, look, well, I don't think the Fed can handle it. There's a big-time storm coming, and everyone is overestimating, basically, the Fed's ability to fight this storm. Now, he continued on 
in basically highlighting his key worries that are upcoming. And one of those key worries or risk that he sees in the future is, of course, the Federal Reserve signaling that they will be reversing their bond buying programs and will start to shrink the balance sheet. This is called quantitative tightening, which actually began today, the very first day of the new month of June. Now, in reference to QT, he goes on to say, quote, we've never had QT like this. So you're looking at something you could be writing history books on for 50 years. He continues to highlight the several aspects of quantitative easing programs and how they've, quote, backfired. He then went on to say that including negative rates, basically are a huge mistake. And now he didn't end there. In fact, he continued on with this. And in reference to central banks, he said that they, quote, don't have a choice because there's too much liquidity in the system. And that, quote, they have to remove some of the liquidity to stop speculation, reduce home prices, and stuff like that. So he's basically saying here that the Federal Reserve is stuck. They're trapped. They have to tighten no matter what is ahead. And that, in essence, they eased too much. And that those quantitative easing plans or strategies backfired. Now, he didn't end there. He also highlighted the war in Ukraine. And he actually believes or seems to believe that there's more risk ahead in relation to the war. He said, quote, wars go bad, go south in unintended consequences. We're not taking the proper actions to protect Europe from what's going to happen to oil in the short run. And he even said during this interview that oil could go to $150, if not $175 per barrel. So you have the CEO of one of the largest banks on planet Earth saying that we're not doing enough to protect Europe against what's going to happen to oil. And then he goes on to say that oil could go to $150 to even $175 Per barrel. Wow. And the bearish comments don't seem to end there. And he rounded out the interview by referencing 2008 in the response to the 2008 financial crisis in which central banks, commercial banks, and foreign exchange trading firms were the three major buyers of U.S. treasuries during that time. And he said that those players won't have the capacity nor desire to soak up as many U.S. bonds this time around. In fact, he went on to say, quote, that's a huge change in the flow of funds around the world. I don't know what effect of that is, but I'm prepared for, at a minimum, huge volatility. So he's even highlighting there, there's a risk that there won't be much demand for these U.S. bonds. And if that's the case, the United States and the U.S. economy is in big time trouble. Now, not only did we hear from Jamie Dimon today, but we also heard from San Francisco Federal Reserve President Mary Daly, and she was talking to CNBC's Steve Leisman during the CNBC Tech Check segment, and in response to the question on raising rates, she went on to say, quote, we need to do that expeditiously, and I see a couple of 50 basis point hikes immediately in the next couple of meetings to get there, and she's referencing getting inflation lower and moving to the downside. She continued on to say, then we need to look around and see what else is going on. Now, she also highlighted the fact that she is seeing some signs or initial signs of a slowing economy and reduced inflation. She continues, quote, we aren't really there yet. So we need to see those data points on a slowing economy, bringing demand and supply back in balance. And I need to see some real progress on inflation. 
Otherwise, I would think we just move the rate until we find ourselves at least at neutral, and then we look around and see what else needs to be done. So she's saying that she's not seeing enough yet to even consider slowing rate hikes. And then finally, on whether the economy can handle rate hikes, she continued on to say, quote, I don't meet anyone, contacts, consumers, anyone who thinks the economy needs help from the Fed right now. I certainly am comfortable to do what it takes to get inflation trending down to the level we need it to be. I really think these inflation numbers have been going on too long. And consumers, businesses, and everyday Americans are depending on us to get inflation back down and bring it to where it needs to be. Now, that was the Fed's Mary Daly, who is the San Francisco Federal Reserve President. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, KeyBank reiterated Netflix's sector weight today. The firm went on to say, quote, based on country rank and broader data app search queries, we believe it is too early to conclude paid net ads could outperform our street estimates for Q2 losses of 2 million subs. We reiterate our sector weight rating as we believe catalysts are unlikely to manifest meaningfully in estimates until the second half of 2023. KeyBank still not all too confident on Netflix reiterating it as sector weight. We also had Goldman Sachs today lowering their price target on Tesla to $1,000 from $1,200 per share. The firm went on to say, quote, for Tesla, we assume delivery growth well below the company's longer term target of 50% or more and also lower margins given higher input costs. So Goldman Sachs pretty much citing that they expect slower delivery growth than estimated. Also today, Wells Fargo reiterating Bank of America as overweight. The firm went on to say, quote, reiterate our overweight rating on Bank of America and see a favorable risk to reward scenario of at least three to one and a weighted average return for the stock of up 40%, assuming a one third chance of recession. So Wells Fargo, liking Bank of America, despite the risk of recession ahead. Also today, BMO initiating MP materials as outperformed. The firm went on to say, quote, we expect MP to benefit from persistent tightness and robust pricing for magnet rare earth metals fueled by the energy transition, EVs, wind turbines, etc. We see attractive risk reward currently as MP expands downstream for long-term growth in Chinese supply chain circumvention. Now, moving away from the BMO call-in MP materials, we also had Morgan Stanley reiterating Amazon, Meta, and Alphabet as overweight today. The firm went on to say, quote, rising macro and micro uncertainty led us to take a more conservative base case online at an e-commerce view as we lower estimates. Our four-year CAGR work shows how this also may just mean reversion, even post-cuts, blue-chip Facebook, Amazon, and Google have 30% plus upside from depressed levels. So Morgan Stanley basically saying here, even after they go on and they revise their estimates down, they still see very strong growth out of these three mega companies, Amazon, Meta, and Alphabet. Now, shifting away from Morgan Stanley's call, Bank of America named NVIDIA top pick today. The firm on this, a quote, our top picks serve end markets where we expect spending and content growth drivers to be most resilient, such as in cloud computing, AI, high-end industrial EV, and advanced driver systems, and in rising chip complexity. Bank of America liking NVIDIA, naming it a top pick. JMP today initiated Etsy as market performed. The firm went on to say, quote, Etsy's platform has been one of the top performers throughout 
and exiting the pandemic. We view its increase in brand awareness as lasting as opposed to transitory and see plenty of opportunity for Etsy to continue driving GMV, gross margin value, growth through further improvement of brand awareness, geographic expansion, and technology investments. And then rounding out our analyst calls, JMP also reiterated Amazon as market perform, going on to say, quote, though near-term e-commerce pressures will likely impact Amazon, we view it as well-positioned to navigate inflationary headwinds and likely to show resilience through a potential recession. Recent headlines indicate Amazon is revisiting its real estate footprint, aiming to exit some leases. Accordingly, we look for margin expansion in the second half of 2022 and 2023. And the final analyst call of the day is out of Wells Fargo, reiterating Nike is overweight. The firm went on to say, quote, based on our checks, our key takes are one, trends in Nike's fourth quarter end of May are likely to be tough with our model looking for regional revenues of $1.82 billion versus consensus of $1.93 billion. Two, consumer spending in the region is unlikely to be like 2020's post-lockdown pop given the nature of recent lockdowns. And that is Wells Fargo reiterating Nike as overweight. Now, shifting into job openings declining sharply. In fact, job openings falling by nearly half a million in April. Now, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they reported Wednesday, or you could say today, that openings total declined by 455,000 from the upwardly revised March number of 11.4 million in April. Now, that left a gap of 5.46 million between openings and, of course, available workers, which is still high but lower than the previous gap of 5.6 million in March. Now, it's also important to note job openings or the job openings rate fell 0.3% or to 7%, you could say. And the JOLTS report showed that 4.4 million workers left their positions in April. Now, shifting away from the labor market, GM slashed the prices of their Chevy Bolt today. Now, what are the details when it comes to these price cuts? GM cutting the cost of their Bolt EV to a starting price of $26,595, which is down $5,900 for the 2022 model year. GM also reducing the price of their larger Bolt EUV by $6,300 to start at $28,195. Now, according to GM management, they're saying that these lower prices should help, quote, bolster Bolt sales throughout this year, but many are questioning that and many are thinking this could have something to do with low demand. Who knows, but it's definitely something that GM investors on a sentiment basis didn't seem to like today. Now, shifting away from GM, Salesforce, beating expectations in some key earnings metrics, but not all. But despite not completely beating across the board, including on guidance, well, Salesforce moved to the upside despite a red market. So what in the world did Salesforce report? They delivered earnings of 98 cents per share adjusted compared to the 94 cents per share that was expected by analysts. Meanwhile, net income fell 94% to $28 million. Ouch, net income once again falling 94%. Furthermore, revenue of $7.41 billion for the quarter 
which was above the expectation of $7.38 billion, so a beat on revenue as well. And that represents 24% growth year over year. Now, revenue from their service cloud, which handles customer service inquiries, actually generated $1.76 billion in revenue. That was up 17% year over year. And revenue from the core sales cloud product that manages business opportunities contributed $1.63 billion, which also represents a year-over-year increase of 18%. Now, Salesforce also noted on the quarter that they had $13.64 billion in unearned revenue, which was mostly from subscription billings, but that was still below the street expectation of $13.76 billion. Now, looking ahead when it comes to guidance, Salesforce for the upcoming quarter, second quarter earnings is expecting an EPS of $1.01 to $1.02 per share in revenue of $7.69 billion to $7.7 billion. And analysts were expecting an EPS of $1.14 for the next quarter and revenue of $7.77 billion. So they did miss on upcoming quarterly guidance. But also on the full year, they lowered revenue guidance for fiscal year 2023 to $31.7 billion to $31.8 billion. And that's something to note. So that range is lower than the original full year revenue range. And they are expecting the EPS on the full year of $4.74 to $4.76, which was just above the expectation of $4.65 out of analyst for that full year EPS. But that is the show today. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing. We will be back, of course, tomorrow to cover the biggest headlines of the day, biggest analyst calls, and so much more. Until the next one, go get my boys over at Pounding the Table. If you listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, please go and give me and my team a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Running With The Money, or just follow me on Twitter at Luke Donay, where everything the team turns out is, of course, published there as well. Until the next one, you see profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow.